0: Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort, great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. This week, news and views. We have a packed episode for you today with a great newsmaker interview with Alexander Pasuchanics, who talked to me in Dubai recently about the work he's doing on digital curb management in Paris and the implications for cities around the world. That'll be our newsmaker interview right after my uh, travelogue from my trip to the top of the world in Dubai. And then at the end of the show, uh, on our future public transportation segment, we'll tell you about several of the events coming up where I'll be at and uh, hopefully can meet you there. But first, my trip to the top of the world in Dubai. I I recently traveled to the city-state of Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. You may not be aware, but Dubai is one of seven city-states in the UAE. Um, and is really considered the commercial capital of that, uh, of that country. And uh, I was there at the invitation of UITP, which is the International Association of Public Transport. I kind of like to think of it as APTA, but a global uh, association. It's a worldwide network that brings together all the public transport stakeholders, and uh, they do a tremendous job. Mohammed Mezgani is the um, is the CEO of the organization, a good friend of mine. And uh, it was their first in-person event since the pandemic hit in 2020. Normally, they're holding you know lots of events during the year. Um, the one that was the global event, which I was able to attend in Sweden, was supposed to be in Melbourne this year. And that got canceled, or last year, due to the pandemic. But this was their first in-person event. And it was their Middle East, North Africa, Transport Congress and Exhibition called MENA. It was held at the Dubai World Trade Center. They had 1,200 registrants. It was a packed house and a wonderful time, and you know you could tell there was a lot of pent-up emotion and excitement about being together in person. While I was there, I wanted to host a live CEO roundtable at our Transit Unplugged stand, film an episode of our new Transit Unplugged TV show there, featuring the UITP Conference, the Dubai Roads and Transport Authority, and its leader, Ahmad Barozian, plus the Dubai World Expo, which was being held there, record a couple podcasts, and meet everyone that I wanted to meet, and I guess what? I got to do it all and more. And I'm going to cover the details of it in an upcoming article, which will be in Mass Transit Magazine if you want to read it all. But today, I'm just going to cover a few of the highlights. It is Dubai is nine hours ahead of us here in the eastern United States. It's 12 and a 12-and-a-half-hour flight there, 14-hour flight back. Um, and uh, the flight was great. I was on uh, Emirates Air, which is phenomenal, great service. They had um, The first day there, you know, kind of getting acclimated to the area. And then they had a welcome reception. We had a dinner, Trapeze hosted a dinner with some of our friends from around the world. Uh, It was right near the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, and the dancing fountains next to the Dubai Mall. It was a wonderful evening. I got introduced to, uh, you know, the Middle Eastern diet, all the different types of vegetables and meats mixed together in new and exciting ways, and really enjoyed eating that way. I mean, I, you know, as you know, I've lost 50 pounds last year. And um, uh, I'm pretty strict on my diet to keep it off. And I ate whatever I wanted there. And you know what? I only gained a pound and a half after eating. You know, great meals. You could just tell their food is healthy, um, and uh, and you know, just wonderful. So anyway, that was just a side note. But I really enjoyed all the different foods there. They kind of bring out lots of different plates of food. You share it family style. Uh, For the Congress itself, it was a wonderful event put together great by the UITP staff. The exhibition hall looked like you know. My wife was looking at it. I was showing it to her and my kids on, um, on my phone and said, it looked kind of like, you know, a futuristic Star Trek kind of thing. And that it was, it was just a great trade show. Um, and I was able to do a couple podcast interviews, one with um, you know, Alexander that you're going to hear today. And another one was with Mohammed Salim El-Ghafri, who became a friend of mine. And uh, he is the chief operating officer of the transport system in the nation of Oman. That interview will air on March 16th. It's funny, you know, just me interviewing him, he must have told a lot of his friends to check out our podcast because the next day when I got back, I got an email from Chartable that our Transit Unplugged podcast was ranking in the top 20 business podcasts in the nation of Oman and has remained on the charts there for the last week or so. So a lot of folks got interested and I can't wait for you to hear it. It's a great interview with him. Uh, I was able to moderate a general session panel on smart mobility management. Um, and you can see pictures on my LinkedIn page uh, or in the article that's going to be in Mass Transit Magazine. But it was great. Uh, good leaders there. Khalid al-Awadi, Director of Transportation Systems for the Roads and Transport Authority in Dubai. Cristiana Guel, who is uh, from the Transport Authority in Barcelona, Spain, where the next big UITP global event will be held next summer. Uh, and also uh, a new friend. Ms. Al- Anand al Amri, who's head of sustainable mobility for the Integrated Transport Center in Abu Dhabi. They shared how they are sustainably providing new mobility options for their city. And it was also great to hear from new friends, Mohammed Sharaf who's vice president of Kareem, which is the Middle Eastern Uber, and Shazeb Mamnoon, who's vice president and global head of task at Swivel, a company I didn't know a whole lot about, but I got to know more about it while I was there. Great new company. Uh, And they talked about how micro-mobility and new models of transport are improving access to all of life's opportunities for passengers in the Middle East and globally. I got to attend a lot of sessions there, a networking dinner where I got to meet with the president of UITP from Saudi Arabia. And then I was able to conduct a CEO roundtable at our Transit Unplugged stand with John Fanny, who's director of operations at the Greater Abidjan Urban Mobility Authority. And Joel Lehman Sandugout, who's director general of Transurb, the transit system in the African nation of Gabon, and got to hang out with them some, had breakfast with some of them uh, one day, and uh, they talked about how the World Bank and others are funding and improving network of transit for their regions. We'll have a segment of that interview on an upcoming Transit Unplugged episode. Then I was able to speak at a panel called Technology Enablers: Empowering Innovation, and I shared about the power of creating an integrated transport network that brings together all modes of mobility in a city using the latest technology as a key to have it all work seamlessly. And um, it was a great session, got lots of questions and shared a little bit about how, you know, cities like Baltimore, when I was the CEO of the MTA there, really when I got there in 2015, all the modes were disintegrated. You know, the light rail, the subway, which pops up under Johns Hopkins University as one of the main stations, the bus system, uh, the commuter train system, Mark, which goes down to Washington D.C. to uh, Union Station, and the um, 350 buses we had at the time running commuter buses—they all kind of ran separately, independently, in their own silos. And really, that was part of the plan we did um, in putting together the Baltimore Link program was to link it all together so that people could access all of the opportunities and all the modes. And that's what's happening really around the world now in cities. It's a theme that is uh, being taken very seriously. And transit agencies around the world. Um, And it was really one of the great uh, lessons I learned there is how cities like Dubai are doing just that and using a form of transport that's not often integrated into the transport system. I was able to visit with my friend Ahmed Barrosian, who is CEO of Dubai's public transport agency, uh, which is the Roads and Transport Authority, in his office and interview him for our April 8th episode of Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube. And he shared how Dubai's almost 12,000 taxi cabs are an integral part of their transport network. They're partially owned by the and All-Regulated and they all have the latest technology. A lot of it provided by my company Trapeze there in the Middle East to track vehicles. Uh, They have an app which allows passengers to book them easily. It's all controlled through the operations control center which integrates them and really utilizes them as a first mile and last mile solution. Um, my friend Matthew Brownlee, who's managing Director there for us in the Middle East, oversees a lot of this technology. and um he shared with me also uh, some of the new cutting edge technology that's coming there where drivers are going to be able to not even need a key and transfer you know think about how many drivers, right? You've got thousands and thousands of cabs on multiple shifts, but they'll be able to use an app which will you know check them in uh, using their fingerprint or facial recognition technology. and Start the car without a key with, with, their app, with their smartphone app and all the just amazing cutting edge technology that's happening. It really was really the theme, too, that I saw when I visited the World Expo, which is, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. Right. I mean, I've done a lot of study about the 1892 and 1893 World's Fair in Chicago and how that really was the kickoff for rail being used for public transportation here in America. And, you know, talked about that in my children's book, The Future uh, Public Transportation. But being able to be at a World Expo was just a phenomenal experience. And they had whole sections on sustainability, a whole, you know, in addition to the 190 national pavilions, they had a mobility district and pavilion. And Matthew and I and his wife and um, uh, Julia Tapp, who helped kind of organize my schedule there on the ground, were able to go through there and check out, the, you know, Hyperloop vehicles and autonomous vehicles, the latest cutting edge mobility technologies. We'll share some of that again on our April Transit Unplugged TV episode. It was just a wonderful trip where I really learned, again, how that taxi cabs can be used and integrated better into uh, the mobility network of a city. And I was also really uh, amazed by the city of Dubai and their commitment to excellence at being number one in any category. And I mean, I think uh, their, you know, their tallest building in the world is a testament to that. Um, and it was also great to be back with people again, you know, in person. Hopefully we are, you know, past this pandemic and can, again, meet in person safely uh, at events around the world. And I'll be sharing some of the events that I'll be coming to and some of the things happening in the future public transport segment later on on this episode. For now, stay tuned and plug in for this great interview with Alex when he talks about the work he's doing in Paris and what can be done around the world from really managing curb space in cities, on today's episode of Transit Unplugged. We're live at UITP MENA in Dubai, where over a thousand registrants are here learning about all the latest trends in public transportation. And I'm excited to have with me at the Transit Unplugged booth Alexander Pazokanics, who is Head of Policy and Partnership at Nova. Thanks for being with us, Alex. Yeah, my pleasure. Alex, is a, you listen to the podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you with us on, on this episode of News and Views. You're our newsmaker today. You and I were talking yesterday about something you're working on now, which I think is very exciting. Uh, I've, I've heard it happen around the world, and it's basically how cities can better manage their curb space, right? Yep. Tell yep. me some about that. Yeah,
1: so uh, digital curb management is the, the sort of new emerging concept of making sure that instead of using complicated parking signs that say no parking here from the hours of X and Y, uh, that you actually have the ability to have a dynamically changing curb uh, that responds to the type of needs that you have at any given time, right? So in the morning, Perhaps the the curbs available for loading and unloading uh, in the afternoon. Uh, maybe it becomes a, a bustling uh, for for sort of BRT-like access. Um, you know, perhaps it's paid parking in the evening uh, with that paid pricing being variable depending on the demand. Um, so the vision is this idea that you have a dynamic and kind of changing curb. Uh, the way that you accomplish that first is starting with uh, knowing what you've got in the first place, right? Um, being able to inventory. Uh, and map the existing curve, what's available, um, what space is available, and sort of how it's regulated now. Um, And then starting to go from that into uh, starting to make some experimentations in uh, dynamic interaction or dynamic use of that curve.
0: That's interesting. It sounds like then cities that are looking at this, and I know you're in Paris, uh, is where you live and work, and they're looking at this, as I've heard other cities too, it basically is taking something that right now is a free-for-all for everyone and turning it into an asset that the city manages. Is that what, is that, am I saying that right? Yeah,
1: the reality is there's a lot of inefficiency in the way that the curb is uh, designed right now, right? Uh, you frequently have issues of double parking where everyone is trying to get into the same spot. Uh, at other times, you know, the curb may be underutilized, right? Um, or certainly underpriced. Uh, and so the the value here, the opportunity here, um, is to actually make that curb work um, for the public right-of-way in a way that it doesn't now. Um, in the same way that we've applied uh, IoT technology to, uh, you know, the dynamic use of travel lanes and uh, sort of better signal timings, uh, how to uh, to bring that vision uh, into something as static as uh, as parking um, is, is actually quite exciting.
0: So tell me what you're doing right now. You're yeah. working on this, right?
1: Yeah. So a uh, project that we started with, uh, with the Ile-de-France region uh, and uh, sort of the greater Paris area um, is focused on uh, goods and logistics uh, in particular. Um, so these are users where, uh, again, double parking is a frequent concern. Everyone wants to try to be in the same space at the same time. Uh, and so the opportunity is to uh, share data um, from the operators to the city uh, in, a, in order to get a better baseline of uh, what volume is like, um, where the, the key origins and destinations are, um, and what the, the sort of need, the demand uh, for curb at any given time is. And how do then. you do that?
0: Somebody just stays there and watches it?
1: Well, no. So it uh. Uh, you start with uh, with vehicle information, right? Okay. So uh, onboard uh, IoT um, either from the vehicle itself or from the, the operator, the, the delivery company, the logistics company that's okay. using it. Uh, so taking that uh, that data, um, using it to build a, a baseline model, right? a ba- baseline understanding of where the, the demand looks like, um, and then to start to um, take that information, combined with what we know about where loading zones are presently marked, um, and start to create a reservation system. Um, so essentially, uh, access to uh, two spots can be uh, earmarked or allocated to a particular operator for a particular time uh, in order to make sure that we, we minimize conflicts uh, that, that happen. Different logistics operators need uh, the curve for different purposes, right? Uh, someone who is unloading a day's worth of groceries into a grocery mark uh, may be different than someone who's dropping off a package. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so the key is making sure that you're optimizing those uses to the, uh, the actual time that's necessary to complete them.
0: Interesting. So... Uh, you, right now, you're in the process of data gathering, so to speak, and mapping out geospatially as well as schedule-wise. Yep. Uh, and then what comes next?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, there's a lot of emerging work now on the, the process of a, a CURB standard, right? How do we make sure that everyone is communicating information, both users and owners of the CURB, so to speak, communicating through, uh, through a CURB data specification? Um, so our company and a, a number of others are working with cities around the world on uh, CURB data specification Um, that's led by the Open Mobility Foundation uh, out of the U.S., Um, the key is then to apply that concept, uh, that standard, uh, to that data reporting and ultimately build uh, the the app, the experience uh, of reservation and management um, on the city side so that they're able to see um, kind of what curb is being overused, underused, um, and either
0: price uh, or potentially reallocate right-of-way in order to accommodate it. And how would they physically manage that? I mean, would there be... Uh, outreach to the companies that use it and say hey we're going to charge you five dollars an hour or f- something like that or what's the... so I mean the, the vision is is ultimately uh, or it doesn't need
1: to be priced uh, necessarily okay the, the opportunity is to uh, to better do that timing so that there's a shared value for both. Um, I think the, the first step would be to start to say um, do we actually have enough curb to cover the demand uh, that we that we have here? Um, and if that's not the case, um, you know, Paris is doing quite a bit of work uh, around pedestrianization, uh, around sort of removing cars from the center city, right. uh, it's an opportunity to uh, reallocate spaces that were previously uh, private car, personal owned car spaces okay. to potentially be available for for logistics and, and good delivery as well.
0: And what department of a city government would be? Would the public works department kind of? So typically,
1: I mean, uh, the the European context not always uh, a one for one match yes. to uh, to the U.S. Um, but typically, the the, uh, the parking authority has has a role in in that process, right? For for allocating the space, and and often the um, cities sort of underinvest in uh, resources uh, around goods and logistics management compared to people management uh, or vehicle management. Uh, and so, in many cases, cities are starting to uh, to sort of figure out where this lives, um, because it's yeah. still such an emergent concept.
0: Is anybody doing it yet that you know of, like actually
1: implementing it? So, there's there's a fair number of cities in the U.S. Have, who have started to to kind of kick around this concept. Uh, Santa Monica is one of the the first pilots. Uh, some work in Seattle. The West Coast tends to be a little further ahead on this uh, at the moment. Um, however, uh, I think there's uh, you'll see an explosion of. Uh, sort of pilots, hopefully leading to long-term programs in the next 18 months.
0: Interesting. So, um... Paris is is a leader in this. I take it. So, what do you see happening next? You gather all this information, kind of lay out what the what the next eighteen months might look like, and where how this fits into public transportation as well. Yeah.
1: So you start from from this data gathering perspective, right? Um, uh, identify the need, uh, build the the prototype, so to speak. Um, perhaps it's a small geographic area, or perhaps it's a limited duration, uh, in order to uh, to test what's working and what isn't. Um, from that, you know the. Uh, the opportunity exists to uh, kind of better align with some of the other strategic plans that, that Paris and other cities may have. Uh, in, in Paris, uh, there's quite a lot of effort around decarbonization, um, and so you know these things can work in harmony with one another. Uh, as you're decarbonizing uh, and electrifying the, the transportation ecosystem, you can actually make sure that you are incentivizing uh, the use of uh, um, these spots by electric vehicles, perhaps. Oh yeah. Um, and so there's a there's a chance to uh, incentivize to, to, that huh? exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance to align those priorities. Um, and from a public transport perspective, I think ultimately it uh, speaks to a better reallocation of right-of-way, right? Um, and this is uh, something that tends to benefit uh, public transport because there's a there's an efficiency opportunity uh, to sort of make public transport work better um, when you've got less potential conflicts, um, when that right-of-way, you know, perhaps can actually be a, a shared uh, goods and bus lane, right? Depending on the time and the, the need and the demand. Uh, so there's a, there's a chance to, to actually be more strategic uh, about how you reuse the same piece of real estate uh, over the course of the day or over the
0: course yeah. of the week. So do you see uh, or could you foresee like uh, almost like bus lane cameras at certain spots and if people are there... When they're not supposed to be, maybe they get a ticket or something? Yeah, there's definitely uh, uh,
1: sort of strategies around monitoring and enforcement, uh, either digitally or, you know, good uh, old-fashioned gumshoe work. Um, But I think the the chance is gradually you'll start to build compliance because there will be a level of simplicity um, in communicating that information digitally as well, right? Uh, You don't have to kind of navigate the street sign, um, the the apps um, that give you your driving directions or the apps that you use to pay for parking. Um, can better indicate you know what the, those spaces are available for. Um, and so the consumer probably won't notice a, a huge difference. Um, but for the, the, the public transport operator, for the, the logistics provider, um, there's a better certainty about this this space will be what it's supposed to be when it is supposed to be in it.
0: That's great. Well, Alex, thanks for being our guest today yeah, and kind of explaining pleasure. that. That's a topic that you hear kind of floating around the sphere, but nobody's really focused on it like that. So thank you so much and best of luck as you do this work in Paris. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.
2: Hi, I'm Aleia Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Alex talks here about something that people really care a lot about, curb access. And I don't know about you, but I have found that when you change something that people really care a lot about, you can get a lot of reactive and angry responses. But public life involves changes. So what are some of the ways of communicating about those changes that help people stay calm? First, start early. Got a big change coming? Start your communications plan as soon as is responsibly possible. Give people a lot of lead time because guess what? Even though this thing is near and dear to them, they probably won't pay attention until they've heard about the change several times. Next, communicate your upcoming change in a lot of different formats. Inventory how many different forms of media you can use to get your point across. And don't forget to ask your community partners and organizational gatekeepers to share your communications. Finally, use humor, or at least be lighthearted. Yes, humor can be risky, so if you don't feel safe being funny, at least keep the tone light and focused on the benefits of what's ahead. With your visuals, use bright, attractive designs that make people feel excited about what's new. If you'd like to talk more about communicating big changes, or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y.
3: Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. This past Thursday was Random Act of Kindness Day, a day I always enjoy celebrating, and I'm confident that all the changemakers listening continue to make a difference and commit random acts of kindness in their communities. However, it definitely should not stop there. Kindness should be shared and practiced every day. I often talk about the impact that kindness has both on the recipient and those who are leading with kindness. It's a great opportunity to take a quick look at the impact we can have both on our everyday lives, along with our workplaces, and specifically within transit. How can transit promote kindness in the communities we serve? Well, it can be as easy as empowering your staff, aligning with advocacy, charities, and the amazing things they are doing outside of the work that fall within your service areas. Perhaps review your agency's own social outreach initiatives or community partnerships and engage your staff on ideas of how to greater impact those organizations. Employee spotlights, specific ad campaigns that highlight those community groups, or it can be as simple as changing a destination sign to spread a specific message like kindness is cool. In any event, kindness is contagious. It has an amazing effect both on the morale and personal satisfaction and should start from the top. It should also be a focal point of how you deliver your message both in the workplace and in your everyday life. Lastly, we're coming up on Pink Shirt Day, Anti-Bullying Day in Canada this coming Wednesday, February 23rd. Another cause that I'm heavily involved in and have been for many years. I look forward to seeing you all wearing pink in support and want to thank all the community sponsors that I'm working with that continue to spread the message, raise awareness, and funds. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool, and have a great week.
0: Thanks for sticking with us today on the Transit Unplugged podcast, the world's leading transit executive podcast heard in 100 countries. Hopefully you enjoyed um, all the great, the, the interview and, uh, you know, the feedback from Alea and Mike and and uh, our opening segment of the lessons that I learned while I was in Uh, The UITP MENA conference in Dubai and afterwards, just a great trip. And that's really what I want to talk about today on the future public transport segment is now that it appears we are moving past the pandemic and maybe moving to an endemic stage. There's a lot more events happening and I'm going to be speaking at and attending lots of events and filming for our Transit Unplugged TV show. And I wanted to let you know where I'm going to be at. If you want to say hello, drop me a line at paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com or my uh, LinkedIn page. Week events coming up, I'll be in Florida uh, filming at Jacksonville Transit Authority and Palm Tran the first week of March. Uh, looking forward to bringing uh, to you in future episodes of Transit Unplugged TV all the great innovations that are happening You know, at Jacksonville Transit where they've got the Autonomous Vehicle Test and Learn facility and all the great things that Nat Ford, the CEO, is doing there and his team. We'll be interviewing uh, folks beyond just Nat, also some of his senior executive team. And then at Palm Tran with Clinton Forbes and Valerie Nielsen and others, we're going to talk about how um, transit agencies can work closely with their MPOs and local governments to create amazing innovations for public transportation. It's going to be a great couple episodes of the TV show, and we'll pull out some podcast interviews there as well, hoping to meet with Brightline Trains. Just about got that set up to talk to you about high-speed rail innovations that are happening from the private sector. Then shortly after that, I'll be in Boston at Smart Transit. Uh, from the 15th to the 17th of March. I'll be speaking there right after Steve Poftak, the CEO of MBTA Speaks. I'll be the second uh, keynote speaker there Um, and looking forward to seeing some of you there as well. Um, Also be available to sign books, et cetera, there at this Smart Transit Conference. Uh, Then I'll be attending the Think Transit Conference and participating in that. That's Trapeze's and Vontis' big once-a-year annual conference. We haven't been able to have it for a while due to COVID. This is our first back-in-person one. It's being held on March 20th through the 23rd at the Omni Fort Worth Hotel in Fort Worth, Texas. We expect close to 400 attendees. I encourage you to attend, especially if you're a member of kind of executive team C-level at transit agencies. You might be a chief executive. You might be a chief financial officer, a chief operating officer, maintenance officer, or vice president of some type of a transit agency. I'm going to be hosting We're calling the Executive Summit, like I've done for the past few years, and it is just for you. It's learning from each other. So it's a room full of people who are executives in transit agencies and really no one else. Uh, So you can talk freely among yourselves with lots of panels. We're going to be discussing mobility on demand, zero fares, zero emission buses, transit leadership in a post-pandemic world effective driver and mechanic recruitment, implementing the new federal transportation reauthorization infrastructure acts, getting riders back on the bus, transit's response to homelessness and mental health, equity and inclusion, working with MPOs and local governments, and many other topics for a full day and a half on uh, Monday and Tuesday of that week of March 21st through the 22nd. We'll be doing this at this Executive Summit, and it's only $149 $149 to register, and it gives you access to the entire three-day conference with food, et cetera, I'd encourage you to just you know, Google, think transit, trapeze, and register now. We have a hotel, special rate with a hotel that lasts uh, through the end of the month. You should attend. Look at some of the people I've got coming who are going to be speaking. Alex Wiggins, CEO of New Orleans Regional Transit Authority. Clinton Forbes, Executive Director of Palm Tran; Gary Rosenfeld, my buddy from Memphis Area Transit Authority, is going to be moderating the panel. Holly Arnold, who is CEO of the Maryland Transit Administration, Lauren Skyver, Sunline Transit CEO, Misha Wanick Libman, executive editor of Mass Transit Magazine, is going to be there hosting a special panel I put together called Perspectives, which is going to give some of the top 40 under 40 leaders, some of the legacy leaders that we just you just heard. Paul Tolliver will be there. Um, it's just going to be a phenomenal panel, as well as um, some other folks you may know from here on, uh, like Mike Bismayer that you know from here on the podcast, to be sharing there. Uh, MJ Maynard, uh, CEO of the RTC in Southern Nevada and Las Vegas. Rich Sampson, Executive Director of the Southwest Transit Association, has accepted my invitation to come and share with us uh, how we are effectively implementing the new Infrastructure Act and the new uh, funding, which has come as part of that, as part of our Reauthorization Act. And then we'll be having Robbie McEnany, one of my best friends in the industry, who's CEO of the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, will be sharing about what he's doing there with free fares. Uh, Robert Weinroth, the mayor of Palm Beach, Florida, will be there talking about working together with transit agencies. It's going to be a panel like none other. Valerie Nielsen, him, and Clinton Forbes are all going to share. I've never seen this at a conference before, but you've got the mayor, who's chairman of the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the Transportation Planning Agency. Valerie, who is executive director acting there, and Clinton, the transit authority leader, all work together in concert really well as a model, I think, of how the rest of the nation can do this. I've never seen that really addressed with the leaders at a conference. Maybe it has been. Maybe I just haven't been there. But you'll be able to see this yourself in person and talk to them there, as well as Steve Bland will be there, my friend, the CEO of Nashville Metropolitan Transit Authority, who was you know, our featured guest on our most recent episode of Transit Unplugged TV. And Tom Egan, CEO of MV Transportation, as well as Arnaud Legrand, who is CEO of RATP Dev and many others, It's going to be a great time. We'll have a great dinner Monday night. Uh, So go to Think Transit and register if you haven't done it yet. I want to see you there uh, if you're an executive of a transit agency. And then finally, I'll be down at CoMotion Miami with our friend John Rossant from the April 19th through the 22nd. We'll be filming an episode of Transit Unplugged TV there, meeting with a lot of top leaders and innovative leaders from around the world. We are back in business, uh, meeting in person safely and uh, sharing best practices. Coming out of this COVID pandemic, now is the time for public transportation to reinvent ourselves right, uh, and to show people, to redefine what we're doing. We're not just about providing access from A to B for commuters. We never were just about that, but that was our primary mission in a lot of cities. Now we're coming out of that with a whole new approach to, from the post-pandemic world of implementing policy, right? for Environmental Stewardship, Adding Equity and Inclusion, the new book I'm working on where I'm interviewing many of these CEOs about what they're doing. All of that is an opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves. And I plan to meet many of you at these events and learn from you about what you're doing. If you want to connect with me while I'm there, again, drop me a note at paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com or send me a direct message on LinkedIn. Love to meet with you while I'm there and hear what you're doing in your city. Thanks again for being with us on Transit Unplugged. Stay safe out there.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged, and to our guest, Alexander pasek for talking about something we really don't think about, parking. Now, next week on Transit Unplugged, we have a very special guest, Terry White, King County Metro, who is also the keynote speaker at Think Transit next month. We'll be talking with Paul about his keynote, about equity and inclusion, and his personal story and connection to public transit. You're not gonna wanna miss this episode. If you have a question, comment, I'd like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged. Feel free to email us anytime at
0: infotransitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.